Welcome to the Voice of Age Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Badgick Smith, Age Care Psychology Consultant. I bring my background in psychology, clinical experience, and latest research to this podcast, which is shared in stories, strategies, and solutions to the widely underestimated problem of isolation and loneliness in late life. I truly believe that supporting well being of our elders is a shared responsibility and that we can help the older person achieve better outcomes for their well-being and do our best by being our best and looking after ourselves. I'm glad you're here. Hey friends, welcome to another episode. In this episode today, I wanted to talk to you about working with tricky people. So I hear often there's a different types of attitudes and beliefs that we might have about working with someone and how we feel about working with them. And some people might seem like they're more of a team player than other person. So it's normal. It's normal that we encounter different people and that everyone works differently. And I wanted to talk to you a bit about that today. I wanted to talk to you about the benefits of diversity and what we can all contribute towards um, our teamwork. I then wanted to get into and talk to you about four main types of tricky people and how you can recognize what's going on. And last but not least, um, how we can use some easy strategies to address those interpersonal challenges. So welcome aboard, make yourselves welcome and, you know, sit in, grab a cup of coffee, grab a cup of tea. Maybe you want to take some notes for this episode as well, because I feel this is the one that um, comes up often and I really wanted to... um, address it. And I know that terms like toxic culture and criticism and blame and how they can impact us come up quite often. And I've spoken to quite a few people about what you wanted me to talk to you a little bit more about. And this is a topic that came up um, quite a few times. And how we can spot what is going on, as well as strategies and how we can fix it. Okay, so my own personal encounter has been that, you know, I have worked with some tricky people over the years, maybe even, you know, some people may say that at times they feel that I was a tricky person in um, in working with them and maybe a few of the interns that I supported and um, through their psychology internship when, you know, I thought that perhaps the quality of their work wasn't up to scratch, they'd say, oh, you know, you you are um, a tricky supervisor or, you know, I didn't let them get through with what they wanted. in terms of finishing their placement and and the, the tasks required, I asked a little bit more of them. So um, I, I think that the reality is is that we need to recognise what might be going on and when actions need to be taken, and also like when we can just let things go, like when we can just go, okay, this has got nothing to do with me, it's not impacting me, and maybe this person just needs to be let go, and when we actually need to call on it and spot it and how to how to do that. So in aged care settings, you can come across your colleagues who might be lacking motivation, um, they might not feel like they, you know, are in the peak time in their career, they might just be, you know, from A to B, very comfortable in their role and what they're doing and not really being keen to do something new or try a new strategy and maybe they just 
work the same way they worked three, five, ten years ago. And there's just that lack of motivation and it just feels a bit blah, but not quite ready to change jobs because they've they've done the same thing for so long and they just don't feel like they want to have a change. You might also be take some people might be taking too much ownership and not letting others contribute towards their doing. So it's like, no, this is mine, this is the way I've done things and this is just my project. You can't contribute, you can't have your input, you can't I don't need I don't need help with this. I'm just going to do it myself. You can have some people who do a little bit of that as well. Um and and I know that it can be challenging when you feel so enthusiastic about something and you need to work as a team and the other person is just like, "No, I don't need your help. I'll do it my way." And you know how that make make you feel? Um, both personally and professionally in working with those people who don't want your input, don't want your contribution, um, who seem quite domineering and powerful and not wanting to um, have that input. Some people might also um, have a lot of personal issues outside of work that we may know about or may not know about. And so that adds that element of, you know, tricky person in a workplace, but also with, you know, some issues, some baggage that they bring as well that you may or may not know, may or may not know about. Maybe you know their their loved one is in poor health, or maybe awaiting further surgery, or maybe they um, have additional caring responsibilities outside of work, or maybe they have relationship issues, or there could be a range of things that people go through. And I think that sometimes um, having those boundaries is is really beneficial, but other times knowing what the other person um, has going on for them can help us understand a little bit more about them holistically, what they might be experiencing and why perhaps they're displaying the behaviours that they are. And then the side note, which I've picked up on directly, indirectly, is um, issues with management and some of some of us, you know, might feel unsupported by management or maybe undermined and feel like management is expecting so much of us in so little time and that there simply isn't enough time um, in, in what, what they're doing. And I know um, recently I was presenting at a at a event with Deepa Snow. Um, for those listeners who are in Sydney, you maybe some of you are there in person as well. And I know the question came up like, this is all fine and great, Julie, but I just don't have time. And I've heard so many times over the years about the concept of not having enough time, not having enough time to support clients, not having enough time to do training, not having enough time to implement strategies, not having enough time to try something new. And I just think, yes, I understand. Like, we're all busy. I, you know, <laughs> I'm flat chat um, from way before sunrise to way after sunset every day. Life is really busy, but it is also about those decisions that you make. And it is about what you what your priorities are. And if your priority is something, you will make time for it. And sometimes it is about the quality versus quantity. So, you know, people with exercise, for example, you know, um, Sam Wood's 28-minute program, it's like 28 minutes a day you exercise, you're, you you will get better outcomes for your health, for your physical body, for your weight management, everything else. It doesn't need to take a lot of time. It doesn't need to be about driving to the gym, finding parking, finding time, um, finding, you know, um, space on the treadmill or whatever it is to do things. It is about how we make time for those things. And so 
when we talk about making time to have better engagement and interactions with clients, which is something that, as many of you know, I'm so passionate about, it can be about the quality of that engagement rather than the quantity. So we don't need to think about, oh, I need to spend an hour with this person. They need one-on-one. They need so much help. You could just do a simple, easy task that might just take you three to five minutes and you can make someone's day. And how powerful is it just to think that within three to five minutes, you can transform someone's day? So even if you are delivering personal care, even if you're doing something else, you can multitask, you know, whilst the person is physically active, maybe they're doing, a, you know, a exercise, they might be on the, on the bike or something, and you can have a quick chat with them. Or, um, you know, if you're going past, then you're going to go, okay, you know what, I have half an hour, I'm going to go and visit four isolated residents in their rooms, and I'm going to ask them the same question, what's your favorite memory in your life? And so it doesn't mean that it's going to take you so much time, but you would know that spending that much time, that, that those few minutes aside, can if that can boost someone's engagement, if that can boost someone's um, participation in other activities, if that can in- help someone reduce their social isolation and social disconnection, it is worth it. So just think about what is one thing that I could do a little bit easier to what I'm doing like right now? What could be the next step that's a little bit easier? Oh, you know, Joan is in the room by herself, as is Mary. I really think that, you know, I'll try and get those two residents to come out and help me do X, Y, Z. I think that just if we can think a little bit outside of the square in terms of how we can work better with clients, that can help us as well um, and tick so many boxes in terms of their engagement, our engagement and, and, and everything else. So that's a side note. I'm not talking about um, all the clients being, you know, seen as tricky people. I wanted to just put in the context about the time factor. And sometimes I feel that people think, what's what's the best way I could use my time? What's the best way I can manage my time? I don't have time. And I think that when you throw that in with tricky people, it can make days very long, very difficult, um, and very challenging. And it could be one of the reasons why we have such high turnovers in aged care as well. If people are not feeling supported, if they're feeling stressed, if they're experiencing symptoms or burnout, what can we do to better support them and help them in their, in their journey as well? So what I wanted to do today um, is to tell you one of the first things um, before we get into um, recognizing tricky people is that you can't be friends with everyone, but you can notice everyone You can be friendly to everyone. You can make room for everyone. You can cheer on everyone. And we can empathize with everyone. Doesn't mean that we need to be best friends and best buddies. Like, get that concept out of your head. And, you know, that even that connection with, you know, with your clients, the boundaries, having those boundaries around us as well, so important. So, Even if you feel better connection with another client, notice everyone. Good morning, everyone. Hello, everyone. Everyone can join in. Welcome, everyone. Same for the work colleagues. Acknowledging everyone. Being friendly to everyone doesn't cost you anything. And if anything, not being friendly to someone is actually going to cost you more. Um, Making room for everyone. Cheering on everyone. 
and empathizing with everyone as well. So I think it's 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 a beautiful little concept just to think about. I spread love and kindness and I receive love and kindness and thinking a little bit about what kind of energy we attract and how we deal with it. So even if someone's not very nice to you, you still want to notice everyone, be friendly to everyone, make room for everyone, cheer on everyone and empathize with everyone. And I think that the more we spread that message loud and clear, the more likely that that will be reciprocated. Doesn't matter. It's not your responsibility in terms of how they respond to that. It's you know their own stuff. So what I wanted to do was really make sure that we cover that before we get on and talk about tricky people and four main types of tricky people. Okay. So I've got a bit of a, a bit of categories that I'm going to give you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some examples about um, a certain behavior and then give you a label of what that constitutes. So first, let's see how that goes um, in this um, audio um, in this audio context in terms of um, getting you to picture um, what what category might look like. And for those of you who know me and who've seen me present and do tr- if you've done training with me as well, you know that I'm a very visual person and I like having my whiteboard and I like to, you know, draw things on the board. But I just need you to hang with me um, for a moment just so that I can get this across um, and p- paint that as, po- as, as clearly as possible. Okay, so first category of people. So what I want you to think about is a person who spreads rumours and bad news about you, a person who tries to make themselves look good at others' expense, a person who always complains, acts like it's always somebody else's fault. What comes to your mind when you hear about those terms? Spreading rumours, trying to make themselves look good at others' expense, always complains, acts like it's somebody else's fault. What comes to your mind when you hear those terms? Backstabbers. Those terms are connected and related to someone who's a backstabber. So what's important to know when we, we deal and we encounter someone who is a backstabber is what is the consequence of their behavior? What is the consequence about them spreading rumors and bad news about us? Well, the consequence is the rumors spread. Whispers will accumulate. Bad news will travel fast. So what we need to do when we deal with backstabbers is you, you need to, we need to, um, have to act on it and to act on it sooner rather than later really tackling that head on and saying, hey, I have noticed you are spreading rumors about me, that is not okay, and escalate those concerns. If they're always complaining, we need to nip it in the bud, say, hey, I've noticed that you're always complaining. I don't like that, and I don't. it affects how I work. Or saying, I've noticed you always complain, maybe you need to take that up with management. Maybe you need to do something about it, because that constant um, complaining nature of your interactions will affect you and your own well-being as well. So looking at how can we nip it in the bud as soon as possible. Next category is putting you down, being nasty and mean, not passing on important information and has to always have done it 
their way. No one else ever has any good ideas. This person always has better ideas. So in this instance, we're dealing with bullies and tyrants. Bullies, in terms of putting you down, is nasty and mean. And tyrant, someone who doesn't pass on important information and has to always have it done their way. No one else ever has any good ideas. So if you're bullied, it can affect your home life, your confidence, your friendships, your trustfulness. You don't know who you can and can't trust in that situation and your overall happiness. And experiencing prolonged bullying can really shake one's confidence. A person can go from being happy, confident in what they're doing to actually be questioning themselves, am I a good person? Is something really wrong with me because I'm getting bullied? Why are they always picking on me? It can really be difficult um, for a person who is getting bullied um, to to build that resilience to accept what they are hearing constantly from someone else and from being put down. So there is power in calling bullying what it is, in gathering support wherever you can. Some workplaces become so infiltrated by bullying that it almost appears like a normal process to the workers. So calling it out as soon as you can and getting that evidence can be really, really beneficial. So we've covered the backstabbers and bullies and tyrants. What I wanted to talk to you a bit about now is about the avoiders and high and mighties, okay? So they might make you feel worthless. They can always claim to be superior. It can be hard to pin down. Um, it's slippery as an eel, you know, the saying goes. Um, the person maybe, you know quite avoidant of what they're saying or their commitments or, you know, oh, yes, we'll do that sometime down the track. That's, you know, hence the term slippery as an eel. Promises the world, delivers little. So what these people have is that prestige and power to demonstrate that that you are comfortable in yourself, okay? So you need to reassure them that you like them for themselves, not just because of the things they do, but you also need to... um, Keep in mind that if they are avoiding things and if they're not committing to what they're promising, they need to be called out on that and say, hey, you promised, uh, you know, we could do this and that hasn't actually happened. Trying to pinpoint them can, can be beneficial in saying, using the equation and saying, hey, you've done X, Y, Z and that affects me in such and such way. So not just calling out the behavior, but also the impact that it has on you. And looking at some timelines about setting those um, commitments and whatever promises they're made. And I also wanted to talk to you a bit about compulsive, impulsive and poor communicators, the last category, in terms of the arguing the point over petty things. Not being able to stand to lose at anything, feel like they're always right, they're always the winner. They go off the handle without any provocation and say really, really inappropriate things. So... People like that might um, experience a lot of anxiety and they might need to have some coping strategies in how they handle their anxiety in the social situations. So if they, um, you know, if they say very inappropriate things because of their own stress, anxiety, how, how can that be addressed? Um, so being brief, being kind and affirming of, of them and your, you know, your involvement, your interaction with them can be really appropriate as well. Being friendly, encouraging, but also then moving on from that as well. So tricky people are um, 
in our lives in different shapes and forms and not everything, not every behavior needs to be called up and said, hey, this is actually not okay. So what I think is important is that we need to make sure that if we are dealing with the first category, which is backstabbers or the second one, which is, you know, bullies and tyrants, that we need to make them work for us. Calling out poor behavior as soon as possible is really important and that it needs to change. Bullies and tyrants really rarely like their behavior to be described as what it is. And the sooner that we pick up on that and describe that um, and gather evidence that it's not okay, it can actually help us build up the case of this is not okay and that, you know, they're being called out for what they're doing, um, even if they're doing it behind your back. So we must remember not to let those types of people and their behaviours get away from what we're doing. There's so much power, as I just said before, in calling out bullying for what it is and gathering that support whenever you can, okay? So the strategies to address interpersonal challenges is to decide what type of behaviour you're prepared to let slip in terms of person and their, um, and their tricky behaviour, and what type of behavior, tricky behavior is, you know, downright inappropriate and not okay to put up with. And so I suggest that the avoiders um, and, and, and um, you know, poor communicators, perhaps, you know, they're poor communicators verbally, maybe looking if we can communicate better if it's in writing um, and if there's other ways and methods of communicating if they're not so good in in verbal communication. But then, you know, if there are behaviours that are threatening and are likely to impact us and our own well-being and that can be quite damaging for us and um, any of, you know, um, impact on our ongoing mental health and our well-being, well, that actually needs to be addressed. And as I said, you know, if we are getting bullied, it can really affect us outside of work um, and our home life and our confidence and our self-esteem and our friendships and, you know, like Sunday night, tomorrow, oh, I don't want to go to work. <clears throat> so the sooner we do it, the easier it will be to address it rather than allowing that behavior for go on, to go on for so, so long, not do anything and then suddenly go, hey, that's actually not okay. So if we think about those toxic cultures of criticism and blame and their impact, calling it out, saying, hey, you doing this and this, it really actually upsets me. You blaming me that such and such hasn't happened, it affects me. And how can we work on that? And, and how can we actually work better as a team? So a lot of that can be addressed and improved through better communication. And for, the challenge for us remains then in recognising what behaviours we're going to pull out and what terminology we're going to use when it comes to those <clears throat> toxic cultures of criticism and blame and, 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 and communicate the impact it has on us. Because the more we talk about the impact of someone's behaviour on us, the better communication we can get. And perhaps the person communicating those, um, the blame or whatever, you know, facts or information or whatever they want to call it, um, then they can have more insight into their behaviour and what is going on and saying bullying is never okay. Name calling and putting people down is never okay. Criticising people, yes, criticism allows us to grow and to understand better how we can work better. 
but constantly being put down um, is not positive. So maybe what we can think about within the workplace is also starting off the day by, you know, saying one positive thing that happened today or encouraging that input into, you know, um, what was one what was one proud, proud moment of your day today or what what calling a calling out uh, something that you noticed that your colleague did really well so um keeping that in mind in terms of when you run meetings that it's not always about negative things or things that we need to do or we need to prepare for accreditation or we need to do case notes hey what was one thing good thing that you did today i saw you um you know, help Bob get on the bus. That was really good because he normally doesn't come out on these things. So looking at how we can highlight the positive aspects as well as negative can help us deal better and cope better with tricky people. Last thought, before I forget, I wanted to remind again, there is the power in calling bullying for what it is, gathering support wherever you can. It is never okay for one person to bully and put another person down. Take care, that's it for today, and I'll see you in the next episode. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Make sure you don't miss out when I release another episode by becoming a subscriber on your app of choice. And if you can, please leave a review too. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. Now, the next thing you need to do is go straight over to wisecare.com.au forward slash resources and check out my latest resources you can download for free. It could be a book chapter, 20 strategies to boost engagement with elders, or my most popular resource, 5 Facts About Me worksheet. You'll be sure to find them all there, wisecare.com.au forward slash resources. I'll see you at the next episode.